More and more, we are realizing the true power community has to lift up the human race in so many ways. We started this show to put the spotlight on community organizations, to highlight their contributions, and to share insights on the importance of community. Every week, tune in as our host, Stu Starkey, helps raise awareness around one of the most important aspects in all of our lives. Welcome to the community of Big Hearts. Hi, welcome back, everybody. Community of Big Hearts. It's been a little bit since we've had a good chat with somebody in the community. Uh, to remind everybody, we are um, a community of Big Hearts. We are really passionate about having uh, an impact in the communities that we serve. Um, this week, we're here with Janine Frazier from Kids Cottage with a K. Um, and really excited to dive into uh, what she does with Kids Cottage and what they do. Um, a little teaser for you guys that Kids Cottage is a crisis prevention organization. And uh, I think we can all agree that that's probably the most impactful um, organization and programs that we have in communities. So we're excited to, to chat with you, Janine. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, really good. Thanks. Yeah, good. really good. I'm glad it's 2021. <laughs> yes, I think we all are. <laughs> um, would you mind telling us a little bit about um, Kids Cottage? Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure. And thank you so much for asking us. It's, you know, it's really an honor. So thank you. Um, it's difficult for me to put it in a snapshot. So I'll try my very best. So we're 25 years old. We are just as you said, we are a crisis shelter for children, um, for the very young children from newborn up to 10 years of age. We shelter these children um, while their families or their caregivers are working through a crisis or a traumatic event, something that has brought them to us. We'll call our helpline, our crisis line, we'll speak with them and talk to them about what's going on. Um, and really they are the guide. We um, then admit their children and then we work with them in the community with our follow-up program really to help resolve whatever it is, the crisis or the stressor or the issue that's happening and all the while keeping children safe in a nurturing environment and letting them be children essentially and out of that trauma and crisis. Can you help paint um, what their day-to-day -day looks like once they're in with Kids Cottage? I'm sorry, can you say that again, Stu? Can you help paint like what a what it looks like when kids um, are relocated to, to live with you guys at Kids Cottage? Yeah. Oh, certainly. Um, what happens is they'll come in on admission and we'll chat, you know, briefly with the caregivers, with the children there. Um, by then the, the caregivers already know what to expect. Um, and then what we'll do is just, you know, ensure that they have a good, um, opportunity to let their children know that they'll be back, that they're going to come and stay with us for a little bit. They're always welcome to phone their um, caregivers if they feel like it. Um, and then we admit them into the shelter. Um, most of the children that come to us, and people find it quite shocking and unbelievable that we do have um, newborns that are homeless on the streets with their families. Um, and that we have preschoolers that are homeless and haven't eaten for days. 
um, that their families are experiencing toxic stress. And I always say the children are the hidden victims. They, if their families are under stress, they're under stress. And they're under stress at a very imperative time in their brain development and growth, which will impact them further on down the line. And so if they're continually in toxic stress and, and experiencing toxic stress, um, it just compounds. And, uh, you know, it will, you know, likely research does show us it does affect their growth and development and their opportunity um, to just really thrive. So our job is to take them out of that crisis, build their resiliency when they're with us, and then also work with the family system and build their resiliency in the community through our follow-up program. Really, we're almost like that human bridge from crisis to building a strong community support system so that the families are not falling back into crisis, but rather they're building their resiliency. And it's all through the community. Um, how many kids on average do you guys support at one time? Last year, we sheltered 1,200 children. Wow. Mm-hmm. And in so what, region, imagine, what region well, are you guys in? Pardon me? What region do you guys serve? Um, we serve the Edmonton region. Oh, so Edmonton and surrounding area. Um, anyone can call our helpline anytime. We are here 24-7, 365 days a week. I really do think it takes a very strong caregiver, very strong parent to say, I'm struggling. Can you, can you help me? We also receive calls from pediatricians um, if they feel perhaps maybe a mom um, is suffering with postpartum depression and she has nowhere to turn. Um, we receive calls from all over. It doesn't necessarily just it's not just that caregiver, it can be from anyone. And sometimes some people will phone us um, and you know, just to check in and see, you know, you know, they're feeling like perhaps they're not doing a very good job. Um, they're questioning themselves and they need a sounding board to speak to. Right now, I can't think of a more destabilizing time than COVID-19 and our economic go. crisis. Um, and those destabilizing, destabilizing times is when we're going to really be experiencing that toxic stress. I have a bunch of questions around how COVID has changed your um, organization mm -hmm. um, and the services you provide. Mm -hmm. But uh, first, I wanted to know what's, what's an average length of stay for a child um, mm -hmm. under the age of 10 with you guys? It's generally about 72 hours. Okay. But really, we are the guide with the families um, and nothing is cookie cutter here. It's, it's individual. If someone needs a little extra time, then no problem. We would much rather um, work with that family or those caregivers and give them that extra time, or perhaps they might not even need that much time. Um, and that's okay too. I, I think you said earlier that, that you guys are obviously for the community. And did you say by really, the community? That's why I'm so excited to be on your podcast because you're very community focused. We, we build a community resource for that family, like almost like a community um, net. Many of the families that come to, 
to us or the caregivers, they don't have those natural supports. So say, you know, if we're talking um, about a destabilizing event or toxic uh, crisis, um, think of COVID-19 and you are, and we have, we've helped frontline workers who've lost their childcare. Um, they're worried they're going to lose their job. They haven't been able to pay their bills. Um, they can't, they don't have grandma, grandpa and uncle to help them with the childcare or now they're also having to homeschool. So, um, but they don't have those natural supports. So we um, will shelter those children, but then we'll build the community supports that will be able to um, support that family system. So one was, we had a front worker come to us and she had lost her childcare and she didn't have any, um, you know, grandma, grandpa or anyone that could help her. And she was worried she was going to lose her job and she hadn't been able to work for some time. Um, so the children came to stay with us and we helped her find free childcare for frontline workers. Amazing. And then we were able to just continue to work with her and provide those community supports to the point where she no longer needed us. You know, what? one of the things um, that we've seen Janine through COVID um, was we, we do some moves that are um, eviction moves where um, they don't have a place to land or, mm -hmm. you know, typically before they, they would land at families' places um, if, if they couldn't afford their own place. Um, and, and it's a tough part of what we do here in these stories. Um, but what we've noticed is the families that typically would shelter the, their family members that mm -hmm. no longer have a roof over their head. Mm -hmm. Some of them are saying, I, we can't take you in. It's not safe. Yeah. Um, yeah and I imagine, I imagine that you're seeing um, some uptick on, on those kind of um, stories and, and uh, situations. Mm -hmm. We certainly are. Um, it's surprising actually not, you know, there's no blame or judgment on our part. Right. Um, but certainly we are seeing that where perhaps maybe there could have been some family support, but there isn't now. And it is, you know, just that exactly. Um, you know, that family member may have children that they're trying to homeschool and keep safe. And, um, or they may have maybe a grandma or grandpa who is immune compromised and they are saying, no, we just can't because yeah. COVID-19. I got uh, two stories for you. So one, um, from what we saw with, with two small men, um, we saw a real need for help with finding people housing. And, mm -hmm. and some of it was resource issues, some of it was communication. Um, so what we do throughout the year um, is we, we do a big hearts move of the month in, in each territory. And some territories we're doing two. Um, and we thought this year, um, Two Small Men has been really fortunate to weather the storm and not be like a restaurant or a travel industry where we've been okay. And we're really grateful for that and, and they're grateful for the support from the community and seeing the communities that we ser serve in need. And, and we thought like, we got to do more. When the community is in need and we're doing well, like we have to do more. So we did a, a Big Hearts Helping Hands campaign through the holiday season where we're doing uh, 36 moves in, um, in Edmonton, 
Calgary, Winnipeg, and Kelowna um, just to help this bottleneck with COVID issues and financial issues. Um, so that was something that my, my team is really, really proud of, um, you know, coming up with the idea and executing on it. And it wasn't easy to, to coordinate all these different charities to find the families that, that need this help and then um, figure out the coordination between the different charities to communicate the, the furniture or the, um, or the, the families that need to find a new place. And, and often it's like multiple charities that you have to work with to get one move done. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really, really happy. And, and it's just a story about community and how, and that's really what this podcast is about. We, we started it because we realized the stuff that we were doing is, um, is exciting some people. And, and we thought, let's just keep this conversation going and highlight those that are doing more than us. Uh, like yourself. So um, yeah, that was one story. And another one that's right up to Sally is, is one of my best friends. He, um, he didn't have any kids. Um, and him and his wife, they're both vice principals. And just a couple weeks ago, at his wife's school, a family of four who don't have parents. Uh, the mom just passed away. They were in foster care. Mm-hmm. Foster care family was older. Mm-hmm. And they said, we can't do anymore. It's too risky with COVID. Mm-hmm. And the kids were out the next day. Yeah. They were, they're in emergency care. Um, and apparently like you're not supposed to be in emergency care for, for very long. Mm-hmm. And this is four kids that were at risk of being split up. Talk about toxic stress. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and this couple stepped up and said we'll take all four. Oh, that's amazing their house wasn't big enough or isn't big enough but they're <laughs> ma- they're making it work um and the kids are grateful and um my friends are super you know their hearts full um so Aww. yeah it, it just it takes a community and, and, the, and especially in these times so yeah. sorry to go on a tangent but uh i get emotional about what the, these kind of stories yeah that is you know that's amazing. I, you know, this is something they should be very proud of. This is exactly what's needed in our community. Our, you know, during really difficult times and where people just, frankly, you know, it, can you imagine trying to think straight, um, trying to figure out things on your own? No. Um, you know, you perhaps this, and I mean, this is the reality of many of our clients. They're so worried that they might not be able, they can't pay the rent. Um, they're not being able to be, be their children. They might have to self-isolate or they've lost childcare and then they're homeschooling. Yeah, so that's a lot of stressors, right? And so what you're talking, doing is incredible. I was talking about this with my friend who's, who's, you know, um, housing with those four kids. And uh, I believe this is going to be for the long term that they're mm-hmm. going to raise these four children. Um, and I was talking with them and I, I said, you know what, like the, the kids have won the lottery. Like you guys are perfect to raise them. And they're so lucky to have you guys and not all of them get this situation. Mm-hmm. And, and thinking about the privilege that, that we have. And again, why we have to support the community is Ryan um, often talks about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I, I put myself in, in the shoes of people who don't have food, water, shelter. 
Mm-hmm. And there's no way I would be able to run a business or um, think about how to give back when I don't know where my next meal is going to be or, or how to stay mm-hmm. warm in the winter. Mm-hmm. And it, it is a real privilege and it's a real disadvantage for people who don't have that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a greater good for our community if we spend who have that time um, and that next level of uh, on the hierarchy of needs to give back. Um, it's actually, as Ryan will probably tell us, it's, it's part of fulfilling the, the highest level of um, the Maslow's needs. And then it actually gives to us. So it, it's this like virtuous circle that, that really um, helps everybody mm-hmm. um, in so many ways. So yeah. I really appreciate what you do. Would you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the main issues that lead to these kind of situations mm-hmm. that, that can, can potentially be solved. Yeah, it's, you know, it's so diverse and yet sometimes there is a real running theme. Um, we had a dad that contacted us. This was a while ago. This is before COVID um, contact us. He and his wife had just moved from Fort McMurray they had three little girls and um, his wife um, fell critically ill so it was a he had to make a choice of do I stay by my wife's bedside while uh, she's possibly dying or do I stay home with my three children because we don't know anyone so the hospital had um, suggested that he call kids cottage and he did and we sheltered those children his daughters while he could be with his wife um, and now every year he goes to our wish list mm-hmm. at Christmas time um, and purchases things off of our wish lists and gives back. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, you know, a running theme for us, particularly right now, is homelessness. So um, people have lost their jobs and are homeless. And are unsure what to do. And they have preschools or they have schoolers or they have infants. Um, I was here in the office and um, someone was knocking on our back door. And so I answered it and just asked how I could help them. And it was a dad who um, had just lost his job and he had a, a toddler and a preschooler with him. And he had just lost his job. He was unsure if he could make rent. They hadn't eaten. Um, And his wife was unable to find a job. And he asked if we could please take his children while they just try to work it out. So of course, that's what we're here for. So um, we sheltered the children and we continue to work with that family and just ensure that they have what they need, their basic needs, right? Um, Shelter clothing, food, and then just continuing on with that. What's next? Um, our parenting groups next. Is there free childcare that's required? So just, you know, really building on that and building on that, the whole, you know, a holistic perspective of, of resiliency, the, the resiliency of the children and the resiliency of the family system. Um, there's just so many reasons why people come to us. Is there organizations like yours in all major cities in Canada? No, we're one of three in Canada. 
Um, there is one in Calgary. There's one in Saskatoon and then here in Edmonton. And, and are those under the same name, Kids Cottage? No, each one is different. Okay. Um, I don't recall what the one in Saskatoon is called. We do chat. Um, the one in Calgary is called Children's Cottage. And they offer similar programming. What, what happens in cities that don't have an organization like yours? I just, honestly, I can't imagine. Oh. Um, I wish that there was one in every single community because I'm absolutely positive that every single parent has stressors in their lives and may need to pick up the phone and call someone um, just to see how they're doing, particularly if they are um, in areas where there aren't a lot of services available. Janine, I, uh, my next question I wrote down was, why do you do what you do? But I think that's pretty <laughs> obvious after our conversation. <laughs> Um, but I think you got a pretty uh, neat story that you started to tell me before we got on air here. Do you want to tell us how you got into this? Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, I worked with federal offenders a number of years ago, and I would get to know their stories and their life histories. That was part of my job. Um, and often I thought to myself, if only someone could have intervened at those very early years. Um, when I read the files, you know, I didn't do hard research, but I can confidently say 98% of them had very early exposure to trauma and crisis in their lives from birth to three or birth to five, whether it was family violence, homelessness, poverty, addictions, or all of the above. And then I would also see what their family system was like at that time as well. And But if only that family system had had someone to rely on. I really do feel it would have changed the trajectory of that family system and of that person, that offender's life. It really would have made all the difference. Research suggests that, you know, there are common factors for developing resiliency in the, and it starts in those very early years. So from birth to three birth to five, um, that they have at least one caring, stable relationship. Um, children who are faced with destabilizing environments, like what we're experiencing right now with the pandemic, um, that they have someone right there for them um, to explain it to them in, in a fashion and a manner that's calm. Um, you know, and, just, and now just think of that through the eyes of a small child. Um, whose brain is still beginning to form. What does their environment look like? I think we can all think back to our childhood and, and think about transformative um, times where we went through something difficult. Mm -hmm. And, and um, yeah, losing potentially a roof over your head mm -hmm. is probably something uh, most of us haven't experienced so I can't imagine how stressful that would be on the family and the kid and how impactful that would be on their growth. So um, you're doing amazing work, Janine. Um, how, can, how can we help? How can the community help um, support you guys uh, doing what you do? Um, thank you for asking that. You've started already. 
you've started the conversation. I really feel that's, that that's the starting point um, to talk about this, that we do have very young children, birth up to age of 10 who are homeless, who are, are experiencing extreme stress and trauma. Um, also, you know, by building awareness of what Kids Cottage does and that we are here for people and please call. Um, people can support us, you know, through, um, right now our volunteerism is quite, um, you know, restricted due to the health orders, but by volunteering, um, by donations, by supporting us um, financially, there's just so many ways um, but really spreading that awareness is really important to us. So thank you. We will definitely continue to do that. Um, also, I, I wanted to ask you, so we, we support um, the Boys and Girls Club um, in Edmonton and um, in Calgary, Trellis, which is the new Boys and Girls Club, um, mm -hmm. continuum of care from child to, uh, to family. Mm -hmm. um, and Lorena shelter in, in Edmonton um, with, with moving services for the families and, and the clients of their yeah. organization. Is there circumstances where your families could use uh, oh, moving often, services? Often. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Just as you said, you know, they're facing eviction um, and nowhere to go. I, I wish we could have found you earlier, but uh, what we can what we can do get you signed up for a big move of the month and add another um, add you guys to our monthly free move, um, if if that would be uh, good for you guys. Oh, that would be wonderful! Thank you. You bet. That's well, a huge support. Well, we'll after this call, we'll get you set up with uh, Cassie from our team as our community coordinator, okay. and um, hopefully, we'll get you guys started for the first move in January. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. Janine, it was amazing talking with you and learning about your organization and your path. So I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate that we had this opportunity. Thank you so much for joining us on this Community Spotlight. If you're a volunteer or leader who knows of someone or is someone contributing in your community, we want to hear from you. Go to communityofbighearts.com and click the Nominate tab and let us know who they or you are. We look forward to speaking with you. Thank you again for tuning into the Community of Big Hearts.